This episode of Remnant Radio is brought to you in part by our sponsors at Kairos Classrooms. Have you ever thought about learning a biblical language as a supplemental tool in your biblical studies? Well, Kairos Classrooms offers real classroom environments with with classmates and a live instructor who can help teach you biblical languages, both Greek and Hebrew. You need to check out Kairos Classrooms today. Uh, The price for a single semester is crazy affordable for anyone, so check out the links in the description and use promo code REMNANT to get 10% off Kairos Classrooms. Check out Kairos Classrooms today. Discount code R-E-M-N-A-N-T, REMNANT, to get 10% off your semester. I would also be sure to talk about I don't have any animosity or judgment toward you for right. be, being a witch or whatever. Like there's no I'm not angry at like you. they're afraid of disgust from Christians. And that's what they experience. Because of the history. You're watching The Remnant Radio, a theology podcast where we talk about theology, history, and the gifts of the Spirit. For the next couple of weeks, we're going to teach you apologetically how to reach those in the occult, Satanism, and witchcraft. We're calling this series Spooky Evangelism. We hope you enjoy. We are in our third installment. We've talked about the the history of magic leading up into this point. Now we're going to be talking about neo-paganism, witchcraft, Wicca. Let's start with that first one, neo-paganism, because I think some people have a context of Wicca, witchcraft. Yeah, I've seen a Harry Potter movie. I know what that stuff is. Uh, But let's talk about neo-paganism and then work our way down. So neo-paganism is a term that refers to paganism that's new. Uh, (laughs) It's like paganism, but neo. It's better. Uh, it's got like it, that new branding, right. you know, 30% less fat, you right, know, right. Yeah, it's basically the same pagans. product though. Uh, that's right. So what it is, is, you know, belief in the Celtic gods or the Egyptian gods. Uh, today, sometimes people modernize it. Um, they're very diverse as groups. Some are literally believing these gods. Others see them as archetypes or as ways that i can become like this or a part of the human personality um but anyway uh most pagans reject the abrahamic religions so they see them as oppressing people you know like we said earlier in the first morality well morality uh you can't practice magic. Yeah. You can't practice magic and magic is power and it's the ability to bend the world to your will. Don't you want the world bent to your will? And so, um, if, and there's also a history in paganism of, all right, in the 1500s, King James in England said, we're going to kill any pagans, uh, you know, we talked about the the witch hunts earlier. I'm trying to get this out of your face. Um, Keep going. The laws against paganism were lessened, but not removed from hmm. the books in England till the 1950s, and that's when we see the emergence of stuff like Wicca, um, which is a, a return to the the pagan ways. Okay. Well, even on Wicca. I'm not so sure everybody knows what that is because mm-hmm. I see you've differentiated between Wicca and witchcraft. Okay. Mm-hmm. So if neo-paganism is a going back to the old gods and witchcraft is witches, mm-hmm. what are Wiccans? I mean, they're Wiccan witches. Yes. So what's the difference? All right. So Wiccan uh, kind of began as an official religion in the 50s. And they believe in something called the horn god and the goddess. And so the horn god is uh, tied to the lunar calendar. And we can talk about that later. Um, But like all pagans, they're relativist. Um, They have the pagan ethic, which is... um, don't harm others, but do what you will. Mm-hmm. And so as long as you're not hurting other people, um, they tend toward what is called white magic, which is all magic has to be done for the benefit of humanity. And so they... That's going to uh, be a surprise to lots of people right there. Yeah. Because when they think of Wicca or witches, they think of people harming others with spells mm-hmm. and so on. And that's black magic. So, so that like, would be black magic. White magic is like, I'm going to cause it to rain so that we have a happy crop. Well, 
Right. So there, do they have any black magic within there? No. Um, and in fact, uh, they don't sacrifice anything. They're very pro life, not in the abortion debate sense, but in the nature, mother, nature, because the, the great goddess is, um, is sometimes associated with the earth or the horn God as well. Um, he's the God of the forest. And so very earth centered, very, uh, kind, they care about kindness and, and love and, and stuff of that nature. Um, they also believe that whatever you do magically comes back on you three times. So you mm-hmm. don't want to be doing magic that harms other people or it's going to come back and harm you. So they don't deny the possibility of black magic. They just go, mm. that's off limits. That's not what we do. So if you sow 770 times, you'll reap 777 fold return. Yes. That's an interesting message. I, I mean, I, I, it makes sense why that would catch on, uh, frankly. But right, it's me, the prosperity gospel of the <laughs> oh, mega world. So, so it's is it a form of magic? Maybe <laughs> could you call it a form of magic? <laughs> the question on and like Josh is like, I'm, I'm, I'm going to give, I'm gonna give a Jesus juke to this one. Uh, uh, so, is all Wicca witchcraft, but not all witchcraft is Wicca? Correct. Okay, so witchcraft is a broader. Uh, worldview that believes in kind of a supernatural world where they can they can affect the physics with the metaphysics they can mm-hmm. they can affect those things and witchcraft in general would include white magic black magic because it's just all magic is that um, right each of each witch is a little more individual so when we as christians think what makes someone a christian belief is a huge part of it so I believe Jesus rose from the dead and that there's three persons in the Trinity and I got to repent of my sin. Witchcraft is more bound by ritual. So I'm learning rituals in order to manipulate the world to do my will. And the content of those beliefs don't matter so much. As long as it works, great. If it doesn't, move on. And mm. it's individualized in the sense well, this ritual works for you. It doesn't work for me. Who cares? Um, I, if it works for me, great. I'll do it. You don't have to do it. And so that that is uh, the way it works. Usually you're working in groups of, uh, you know, nine people, 11 people. Usually called a coven. Uh, called a coven. Usually no less than three um, because magical power is amplified as people work together okay so interesting you know i was about to ask you like like elijah but is this really a problem outside of like a real fringe but that you know i i had this just kind of memory back during uh the election when there was like this news article that was written about like witches casting spell over election to make sure trump doesn't get elected sure. i don't know if you saw that but like put that within the framework of this like um how does that fit are they wiccans are they witches are they um are they believing that their powers are greater altogether like um i don't know you would have to ask them and that's one thing i would say is you're ministering to neo-pagans is the first thing you do is don't assume anything no Um, uniform no statement of faith no statement of faith and just ask questions and go well what do you think do you believe in reincarnation do you think you can channel energy are the gods real or Mm -hmm. are they figments of our imaginations or personas we put on do um that that is a part of it um but it's very much growing um there was a christian witchcraft convention um, that was supposed to take place Arizona? before COVID. Christian witchcraft. We've talked about that on the mm-hmm. show before. Um, but yeah, it, 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 it's huge um, because they're doing rituals. They see the Bible as a set of rituals. Okay. So you mentioned uh, when about neo-paganism. I'm going to back up a little bit. You talked about um, this is a way to control people and it talks about power dynamics mm-hmm. uh, before the show we talked a little bit about critical theory and people might be hearing that and thinking critical race theory or critical sexual theory those kinds of things where you look at power dynamics in relationships and you interpret the world through those power dynamics mm-hmm. um, uh, we've done episodes on critical race theory that people can go back and watch but but how does 
that neo-paganism piece fit into critical theory? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So critical theory is began uh, at the birth of postmodernism. So postmodernism is the rejection of modernism. Modernism says there's objective truth, objective uh-huh. knowledge, um, objective morality. And people like Foucault said, wait a minute, maybe this is just a way of the powerful controlling the less powerful. Mm-hmm. And so look at the sources of knowledge in our culture. There is uh, science. We'll mm-hmm. say science produces knowledge. But then again, science uh, came up with uh, scientific racism that said whites are better than blacks. Genetically. Look, right. Because right. of ev- evolution. Uh, and so there, therefore, Which it is, became a means of oppression. Right. Which was a, a misuse and, and sure. it, it was No one falsehoods. here believes that, but they yeah. use science to do that. Yeah. They, yeah. Um, right. Same for homosexuality is it used to be a mental illness. It used to be a crime. And so it's used. So now that's made to oppress, oppress them because of you right. know, knowledge that this is mental illness is, is yeah. now used to oppress. Right. And so the same thing people would say about witchcraft laws is that there was this culture. They believed in the old gods and the Christian church. Wanted to take them. power from yeah. people. And, and so as, as critical theory kind of came in, it said, look, all truth claims are, power claims um with that people said all right let's break off the dominant culture's claims of which is there's objective truth there's objective knowledge let's throw that out and it makes a space for bringing into classrooms today different philosophical traditions um you might have yoga in a school even though that comes from a hindu tradition um, you might teach another culture's uh, understanding of the gods. That's happening in uh, some some schools right now. And so, with critical theory, you find an openness to anything other than the dominant culture to be celebrated. And so, certainly, neo paganism is not a part of the dominant culture. Mm-hmm. And so, it's the reason that we see Islam being championed by. Right. Uh, uh, very left-winging people who are, hey, they're liberal, they're they're pro-abortion, they're they're pro-LGBT, and then you have the Muslim po- population that's completely against those very same things, and yet the leftists want to defend the Muslims mm-hmm. because they're a minority group inside of uh, the West. Right. Right? right. Even though those those ideas are contradictory to their worldview, it doesn't matter because they want to defend minority groups. Right. Because it's more power defined. It's power mm-hmm. dynamics right. rather than ideology. And it shares together that belief of tolerance. So Wiccans are very tolerant people. Mm-hmm. Um, their goal is not to come and dominate you. It's just I want to learn magic so that I can be empowered. Do, be do, empowered. They, do they tolerate Bible believing Christians? Um, they're very turned off by Bible believing Christians. Um, one is it's the suppression of magic. And mm-hmm. so you're telling me not to do this stuff. Um, two, it's often comes from a place of ignorance. Mm-hmm. Um, people think they're devil worshipers. Mm-hmm. Um, and they would say, no, the horn God and the devil are two very different things in our right. opinion. Um, and yeah. so their magic is more, let's say dance oriented or like they'll take salt and make a circle four or five times or three or four times and then cut a hole into it and walk into it and like channel how to do stuff but yeah Yeah, i'm not trying to teach (laughs) they're channeling energy (laughs) when i was um, doing this saturday night (laughs) but they're not cutting chickens heads off right right um and so there's these myths about them that Bible-believing Christians seem to embrace, and it just turns is them off. partially because we're magic-blind in that these people are doing these rituals. They're saying, hey, this is my experience. And the typical evangelical response is, you're crazy. That's this is one, not real. Yeah. Whereas I think the charismatic or someone who's even familiar with Heiser's work would go, oh, no, we think that experience happened. We're not going to minimalize that experience. We think it's a real experience. We just don't think the origins of that experience are moral. 
They're right. good. And that would conflict with their value of um, nothing is moral. There's yeah, there's there's no objective moral truth and we're just experiencing different planes of reality and you see it your way, right. I see it my way and let's just live together right. and make the most of it. Uh, earlier you said you want to come back to this point, so I'm going to bring you back to it. Uh -huh. you, you started talking about the lunar calendar, but we shifted gears. Yeah. How does the lunar calendar play into all of this? Okay. Um, so the lunar calendar and the solar calendar both play into this because what happens is, um, the horned God and goddess story, their myth is built into the year so um as the earth gains life it's like the two of them come together so in the spring they're dating they get married um the triple goddess is as they call her is both the young virgin maiden the pregnant mother and then eventually the crone which is the old wise woman and the story is told throughout the year. So they're, they're, they begin on Halloween. We call it Halloween. Uh, I think they call it saying hi. And that is the fall. Uh, solstice. So, no, it's not solstice. Solstice. I don't even think it's the equinox. Um, it's a particular point between the solstice and equinox where um, – you know, the harvest has just brought been brought in and death starts to come. Which and is a common theme within almost sure. all pagan traditions because the sky gets darker around that season, right? Mm -hmm. The harvest is, is being reaped. Mm -hmm. Like all of these things begin to shift naturally, which has caused these religious systems to kind of build their mythos around what's mm -hmm. happening in nat the natural. And so in the uh, Christmas time, Yule time, the winter solstice, it is the darkest day of year and light starts coming back. And so life is beginning to be renewed on through the spring um, until summer, which then again, life is starting to disappear. And so it's the life of these two couples uh, being celebrated throughout the year. And they celebrate it through fertility uh, practices. Um, that's why in the spring near our Easter time, they, they do stuff with eggs and seeds and stuff like that. They have a maypole where the women dance around and the guys dance with them as a symbol of fertility. Okay. So this all sounds very similar to the ball-esque stuff you mentioned earlier. It, it is. Um, and in fact, one of the things about the triple goddess, um, I need to find my notes is that she is uh, Asherah. Hmm. She is Asherah. Well, that's so they take Asherah and they take all these gods and they put them together. And so what the uh, triple goddess in their mind is, is the re, well, I wouldn't say reincarnation, but she is symbolized in all these other pagan religions. And mm. one of them is, is Asherah. Mm. And so, you know, it's, it it's you not far off to think of the maypole similar to Asherah poles and, uh, in, in the scriptures because it's a celebration of fertility. And what is the Baal cycle? It's a celebration a of... A horned god. A horned god celebrating fertility. And so... Like, you've got to go, okay, so whether you think Wiccanism's right or Christianity's right, what you have to do is say these are polar opposites. And either Scripture's right in saying, don't ever do this stuff, or they're right in saying, hey, let's celebrate life. Sexuality is a part of life. There's a life cycle. Let's celebrate this. But I think it forces onto humanity choose a side yeah there's hmm. no synchronization here right in the same way israel didn't get to synchronize with the ball and asherah the christian cannot synchronize which the witch with witchcraft and where i see it is the channeling of energy we try to christianize it's okay to channel energy sometimes and that is not okay inside of the christian uh, religion uh, okay well some christians are going to point to the you know the greek word anarchia 
in our mm-hmm. New Testament, and they're going to say, you know, energy is okay, and Paul uses this word. Mm-hmm. Like, what would you say to that? I would say it's like saying cool and cool. If I say you're cool or it's cool outside, same word, different meanings. And so in Scripture where it says uh, energy, it's talking about the actions of God mm-hmm. in, in the earth. What it's not talking about is a life force flowing through everything that we need to bring into balance. Uh, right. Um, and so that like this is, is not the, the movie Avatar where like they, after like an animal died, they had some kind of ritual they did. I can't remember right. what it was, but like there was this energy in the whole universe that right. was kind of channeled through all things. And, and we see this in the principle of polarity. So they believe in a male god and a female god, and these are two diametrically opposed energies. Um, and so bringing energy into life, and in most magic cultures, the channeling of energy is how magic is performed. I've had charismatic friends say, you know, I think, you know, we have prophets of Baal and we have prophets of God most high. And he just, he, he speculated that these people are born with certain proclivities to kind of peer into energies. Like, you know, we have this access to this energy by the work of the Holy Spirit, but they are born with this ability to kind of peer into some kind of other energy. But it seems to be playing on that same kind of speculative vein that you're talking about. That would not be a Christian worldview. That would be a neo-pagan worldview. Right, and, and where in the Bible do you ever see a prophet going, I just saw an aura around you, bro. No. <laughs> um, so what they do say is come back to Yahweh. Mm-hmm. Come back to Yahweh's way of doing things. And so I, I, I think these are category mistakes in people's mind is the ability – I'm, I'm not one that believes a life force exists – um, but it, it's logically possible one does exist and God's like, don't touch it. Um, both are, you know, acceptable inside of Christianity to believe. But let's say that's the case. Um, the skills you need to be a pagan energy channeler versus a biblical prophet are radically different. Um, part of it is the radical commitment to Yahweh's way. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. to do God's will, God's way with God's heart. Whereas um, the heart of the neo-pagan is how do I manipulate this stuff? Mm-hmm. And so being able to see stuff isn't prophecy. Being able to hear Yahweh is the key of prophecy. And if you're hearing from, let's call it Baal or Pan or um, the horn god, that's not prophecy. The Bible would never treat that as prophecy Amen. in any manner whatsoever. Right. Okay, so earlier you were talking about how some modern paganistic rituals and the dancing around of the pole connects back to Asherah mm-hmm. and to Baal. And, and so there's this link between pagan religion so I, I, uh, or neo-paganism, mm-hmm. ancient paganism, and I'm even curious about the the links between neo-pagans themselves. One person's worshiping Odin over here. I mean, and mm-hmm. maybe you can speak that. Is anyone really doing that? <laughs> you know, one person's worshiping Odin. Another one's worshiping Jupiter. Another mm-hmm. one's worshiping, you know, some other god. But like, is there a common thread between all of these? Uh, the commonality is anti-authoritarianism, tolerance. Most are pantheists. That means they think nature and God are the same thing or panentheism, which is uh, nature is God's body expressing himself, herself. Um, they're very, how would I say this? Besides tolerant, they also are in, energy focused. And so that's what really marks Wiccans apart is that they believe in the divine feminine and the divine masculine as essential to their religion and other neo-pagans may not. Okay. So I'm just kind of thinking through, so I wrote down three, uh, three commonalities, but regardless of which of the lowercase G gods you're worshiping, uh, tolerance, 
anti-authority. And then the third one was energy, mm-hmm. at least with those first two and arguably with the third also, I'm uh, impressed by the fact that this is really connected to secularism because, mm-hmm. you know, secularism, secular humanism, like that side tends to be anti-authoritarian tends to be extremely tolerant, except of course of evangelical mm-hmm. Christians. Um, and then there's even a movement toward the energy side of things and, and, and the way meditation is talked about these days. And, and yeah, I guess guys like Sam Harris, who are complete atheists who are practicing Buddhist meditation. He has a Buddhist meditation e-course, right? Mm-hmm. How wild is that? So and I'm, I'm just making this observation on the fly. Am I making this up out of the blue or do you see the same connections I'm seeing? Well, Let's go back to the talk we had about witch hunts earlier. So the opposite of secularism is a monarchy where a king rules a state and says, this is the religion, make it happen or the sword's coming after you. And so if you, you know, it it was the Calvinists who kind of came up with the idea of a secular state where people are free to worship God as they see fit. Mm hmm. Out without coercion so i'm i'm pro that um yes where as I am see, i i'm using you, secularism you may differently. be using secularism for liberal or the liberal i i'm, I'm using it as the opposite of spirituality yes okay. uh, uh, yeah um but yeah because people Let's say that have more you mean of, naturalist. Would that be a better? Uh, a nat- well, a people will typically. I mean, a secular humanist yeah. is some is somebody um, who doesn't really have a religion. They're mm-hmm. atheistic. They don't see the world in spiritual terms. Right. They see it as in strictly. They're materialists. Right. If, if you matter that, then you think all religion is superstition. Why not allow people to dance before the gods? It's just dancing. Michael. It's just their imagination. Right, which is tolerance. Okay. Yeah. So they're being tolerant. Sure. They there also tends to be, I think, an anti authoritarianism. But but then you have you have two different situations. You have one where it is we as humans are trying to raise up gods in our own image, right? Mm-hmm. That give us what we want. Mm-hmm. But then on the other side, you probably do have demonic forces trying to entice and lure people away. Mm-hmm. So I think that there's probably there's something in our heart that we want, which is that kind of liberty freedom to do what we want when we want but mm-hmm. then you also have this demonic desire to fulfill that need that right. wants to so you have two different forces working the, the just the, the human depravity that's in all of us but then also a demonic force wanting to tempt you into mm-hmm. that that darkness mm-hmm. and the the message of the neo-pagan is you're you're a god it's all god there's yeah. god inside of you learn to be the God that you are that your, your greatest sin is you've forgotten you're a God. And if you want to save Gnostic. yourself, then why yeah. not have more powerful beings helping you out? Yeah. And why not learn to channel well, energy? I mean, okay. So Deepak, what's his name? Last name? Chokra. Chokra. And, uh, gosh, Richard Rohr. Some of these guys, they talk about being Christed. That we're mm-hmm. all Christ. Is that connected to all of this? Uh, some. That would be probably more new, new age. Would, would use that term. But yeah, we are all, in their view, the Christ spirit we all have inside of us. And we can manifest that. Um, but this brings us to the concept of archetypes. And I, I want to talk about that because that's very helpful in thinking about how some neo-pagans think. So all of them are not uh, spiritual in the sense that they believe the gods exist. They may think they're archetypes. So if you think of an archetype, let's say you know 10 leaders, and you go, what is one trait all, all these 10 great leaders have in common? Well, integrity, follow through. And so you make this great leader in your mind. Mm-hmm. And... Um, Part of it, though, is not just you make that archetype in your mind. You're hardwired to look for that archetype. Let's yeah. say you're hardwired to feel compassion toward babies or mothers and children together. And so the gods sometimes are archetypes in these people's minds of, oh, I want to 
be like the horn god. He is the masculine hunter who takes right. care of nature and takes care of the ladies. And that's how I want to be. And so they see themselves kind of taking on that persona. Um, and also people will do tarot cards who are materialist or whatever and say, I had a powerful experience. I'm not saying this is supernatural. I'm not even saying magic works. What I'm saying is it reveals stuff about me psychologically to myself. And so one of the gateways into magic is these materialists going, ah, it could be ignorance. It could be superstition. Um, but I'm going to start studying this because it might reveal my psychology to me. And, and there was that popular psychological reading of the scriptures that we see like Jordan Peterson doing. Yeah. Right. So he'll be like, you know, you, the story of Cain and Abel is that if you're disproportionately advantaged, that those who are unproportionately advantaged for whatever reason are going to loathe you and they're going to want to take that from you. They're going to kill you and you've got to watch out because sends out the door and he's like, you want to be Cain, you don't want to be Abel and we all have a little Abel in us and he'll, he'll find or that vice archetype versa. or vice we versa. Be yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, sorry, sorry. Yeah, yeah. We, we're, we're going to find that like that, that Cain in us. We, we're going to try to kill people that are more advantaged than us. So we've got to, we got to look out for that archetype or, or the very popular one in the moralist, the, the, the moralism uh, evangelical, be David, right? David is a hero. He looks out for the little guy. He's like a great. So we look at David as an archetype of this perfect person uh, in, in some aspects and not perfect in others. Um, so you're saying that these mythological characters serve as archetypal stories that we should embody and that we should look at as virtuous. For some neo-pagans. So... Not all of them. Not all of them. Because, there, again, there's no statement of faith. There's, there's, no statement no, of faith. there's really not a uniformity. But they share the ritual together. So, yeah. one dude's... They're very ecumenical. They're very ecumenical. <laughs> uh, it seems like they share a metaphysical worldview in that they believe that they can affect the world through energies. You've mentioned that yeah. a couple of times. And that uh, uh, that they have a shared ritual. Those two things seem to be the only well, concrete-ish thing. And they're tolerant. And anti-authoritarian, and they yes. love energy. Yeah, they like. So, if you're saying neo-pagans, yeah, that that fits them a lot. Okay, so okay. I want to ask these ism questions because I have a hard time even pronouncing these. Okay. So, so animism, mm -hmm. hello, zoism. Mm -hmm. Did I pronounce that correctly? Correct. Okay, and then uh, panpsychism. Pan thank you for that third one. I was going right. to get that one. I appreciate that. So, animism is really kind of mean to include that word when. <laughs> with a dyslexic guy. It's like, <laughs> why are there so many syllables? <laughs> I love you, Josh. Make you clap them out. <laughs> sail. <laughs> Actually, truth be told, I'm perpetually impressed that Josh like tries. reads yeah. so much yeah. and then you're dyslexic. Yeah. It's really amazing. Yeah. I try. <laughs> he's impressed. He, I, he's like, Josh is a little engine who could. Right, right. No, he I mean, he it's awesome. <laughs> God uses it. Appreciate it, man. Thank right. you. Uh, so animism <laughs> is the idea that there is this life force in nature. Uh, hello. Zoism is the idea. Everything's alive. The rocks are alive. Uh, panpsychism is it's not just alive, like trees are alive, but conscious. And so if you believe all of these three things at once, then what happens is you are open to the idea of being able to do magic because you're working with living things, not inanimate atoms that need causality um, to, to function. Um, and so being open to the spirit world is, is the idea that I'm working with, or I'm even worshiping, not rocks, not birds, but the life force in them mm -hmm. that we all share. That's all a part of the, the divine. Okay. So, so then talk to us, so somebody coming from that perspective, talk to us about witnessing. Mm -hmm. If we want to share our faith with a neo-pagan, mm -hmm. a Wiccan, a witch, what are the do's and the don'ts? Uh, the do is this, don't demonize them. Like it's best if you're hanging out with neo-pagans to talk about football at first or whatever, like non-religious, 
just trying to get to know what do you do for fun and see them as human, just like you are human. Amen. Um, and to build a relationship where you serve them. Like mm-hmm. God wants us to show the world he's resurrected because of our good works. That doesn't mean we don't bring the gospel in at some point, but building relationship uh, is a part of it. Hold on real, real quick, just so I make sure I understood. You said wants to show us that he's resurrected because of our good works. Did you well, misspeak or what were you trying to say? I'm trying to say doing good deeds reveals that Jesus is alive to people. Um, gotcha. oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, not like say, we were good. Therefore Jesus rose from the dead. No, <laughs> no but more like when we live out the gospel, people say, Oh, Jesus rose from the dead. Right. Okay, right. He's, gotcha. he's transformed them. He's living through his people. Um, I would also say that hear their story and learn exactly what they believe. Each person's unique. Don't come in and go, well, you believe this and you believe this and this and this. Um, Really try to figure out where they are and then start building those bridges that may be missing toward the gospel. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, talk about, well, you do you think objective truth exists? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think objective morality exists? When I'm talking about this stuff, I always try to tie it into the torture of pagans or gay people. Like, so if someone disagrees with you and goes, it's okay to torture a gay person, or you really think that's right? Or that they... You pull on moral objectivity. Yeah. And because they are partial to power dynamics right. go you pick a, a minority group that's oppressed in right. the eyes of these minority right. groups they go ah that's right. bad especially bad right. right um i also play off the positive energy dynamic in that i think if you're thinking with a polytheistic mindset seeing god or jesus as the higher god and better god is helpful. It is. So like, yeah, he's calling you upward toward him. Um, also you got to tell the gospel and you got to talk about sin. Um, I would also be sure to talk about, I don't have any animosity or judgment toward you for being a witch or whatever. Like there's no, I'm not angry. Like they're afraid of disgust. From Christians, and that's what they experience because of the history. Because of yeah, the history. because of the history, as well as their own probably personal experiences. And mm-hmm. I, so, I, yeah, I agree. That's that's really important. Now, here, here's what I know: I know that Wiccans and neo pagans and witches are literally watching this episode right now. Sure. Okay, so I just want to ask, what what do you want them to know? I would want them to and just know speak to that. Um. Jesus was a real person and he wasn't a magician. He didn't do occultic powers to cause miracles to occur. They happen because he is the creator God that's taken on a body. Um, the second person of the Trinity. And that if Jesus were sitting with you right now, you would know that he is the most kindest, gentlest, loving person and he would tell you that your sin has, has kept you apart from the living one true God. And I gave my life for you and that I want you to accept that. And I will teach you how to repent of your sin and learn to love. And he wants to be your one true God at the exclusion of others. It's like when you get married, you may date a lot of people, you may be with a lot of people in your life before, but to build that long-term bond, you have to have exclusivity. I would also tell you, truth is real. Morality is real. You know this, you live like it's the case at times, and that Jesus is the truth. And there's a lot of stuff that Christians may have done that in the past it's evil it's abhorrent it's hypocrisy um but it's not the teaching of jesus yeah that's good i, you know, I was witnessing to a uh, 
uh, neighbor kid that, uh, that practices witchcraft. And he came outside. It was late last uh, at night. I was sitting outside, put all the kids to bed, like to kind of you know, chill outside. He sits down next to me, pulls up a lawn chair that I have outside. And we talk, I've talked to the neighborhood a couple of times. Well, he sat down and starts venting about his dad. He used to live with, you know, I used to, I think he got beat, you know, and he's, he's complaining about this guy. And then, uh, then he talked about it, you know, I asked him if he's going to finish school and he said, he's going to get his GED, but his blank and blank and girlfriend, you know, stole all of his money and all this. Okay, cool. So we're talking. And as we're progressing in the conversation, you know, it's, couple hours deep. We're talking about his ayahuasca trips, you know, mm-hmm. where we're, we're into hour two, hour three. I'm just kind of learning, like you said, just building that relationship, trying to figure out what he believes. And then he asked me what I do for a living. Right. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, I, I run a theology podcast. I talk to pastors for a living. I'm a Christian. And he goes, oh, wow, I'm very spiritual, you know, and, and he just runs instantly to, I do spells up in my room, like just trying to connect with me, just connect yeah. with an older guy who, uh, you know, has a different worldview than him. So we started talking about this and, uh, and I was like, you know, it's interesting, these experiences on ayahuasca, seeing these beings in the heavens, you know, that you see my world, you actually make sense of that. You know, we believe there's spiritual beings up there. We believe that they're subservient to, and probably in rebellion to the creator of the world, you mm-hmm. know, like just trying to, just trying to create on roads to talk to this guy. And he makes this statement about, you know, so I said, I, I'm not saying that it's not real. I think it's real. I just don't think it's good. And then that's when he says, well, I don't really believe in good. But because we had a two-hour conversation that started with him complaining about theft and about child abuse, I was like, I don't think you really believe that, man. And you're able, because you've laid that foundation, you go, you complain that your dad beat you. You complain that your girlfriend stole money from you. That means that there must be something objective. And, and you believed instantly that I shared those standards of objectivity. Be able to bring them right back around. So, so when you're saying... And I want to be very clear because I do think that people who are learning apologetics hear, oh, Jesus is this lovey guy and he loves you. They heard you give that pitch just now. And they also heard you say, build a relationship with these people and figure out what they believe. They'll go, does that mean you're not preaching the gospel? You're not repentance? It's like, no, 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 you're not listening. Mm-hmm. Learning what people believe in order to bring the gospel to where they're at is mm-hmm. the objection. And, and listening so that you know how to apply the gospel is a very important thing to do. It's the difference between having a conversation with someone and like a timeshare pitch. Oh, like, right. that's so good. I'm gonna buy a watch. Yeah, feel pressured. Right, and so I let's pretend the kid you talk to never comes to Jesus. Having a healthy relationship with him is a part of being salt and light in Amen. the world, and so it's intrinsically valuable to just have good relationships mm-hmm. with people with good social skills and timing. Like the Holy Spirit gives us a little bit of uh, grace in the timing of when sure. we express theological truth. When Michael gets up to preach, he doesn't give the gospel presentation in the same way every Sunday. And there may be some Sundays it's just have on. Have you ever done that actually? I'm I, just kidding. I, uh, keep, keep going. On, on marriage. I kill or, you. <laughs> And so I think this pressure of, yes, we need to share the gospel. Yes, we need to know what it is. But there's also like a timing factor that I think there's a lot of grace for. And part of it is I need to go pray for this person. I need to listen to the Holy Spirit. Like God, nudge me when to say certain things. Give me strategy. Maybe I need... Like the Holy Spirit will be like, bake them a cake. And you're like, well, why? And you bake a cake and it's like, oh, it's my birthday. And, yeah. You know, it's a social, kind of it's yeah. a social awareness. Like I yeah. don't, I don't g- get a minister ready in a sanctuary, go meet a girl at a speed dating thing and bring her into the sanctuary and try to marry her on the spot. Yeah. Like that's, that's just no social awareness. Yeah. Like you got to buy me dinner right. first, buddy. Like yeah. there's a, there's a relationship building thing. But right, it's that like, we gotta do. it's like the wisdom of the Proverbs yeah. applies to evangelism too. And maybe especially right. Like, yeah. Like apples of gold and settings of silver, so is a word spoken at the right time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like if that's true of everyday speech, how much more when we're uh, actually sharing the truth of Jesus? Amen. That's good. Um, hey, I, I feel like w- there's there's one more question we need to land on, and, and that's Let's maybe how we'll land the episode uh, as we're as we're closing things out. And that question is, uh, I want to I want to come back to charismatic Christians specifically oh, because yes. you talked about the exclusivity. 
now you were sharing with Wiccans and neo-pagans saying, hey, God wants exclusivity because this is a relationship. You use the, the analogy of mm-hmm. marriage. This is relationship. God wants to be in covenant with you. It's not just about this impersonal power force for us. It's, a, it's about being in covenant with the all-powerful God. Mm-hmm. Okay, so in the context of that exclusivity, it's definitely true that it's, that largely in charismatic circles, there is that syncretism. There is that, uh, in, in a sense, I'm still married to Yahweh, but I'm dating other girls, mm-hmm. right? Like, uh, not girl, other, but you, you, you catch my drift, right? I, yeah. I'm dating others, right? So I'm, I'm dating this side chick, this, this neo-paganism, whatever it is, not calling it that still just like, Hey, I'm married. I'm good. But like, Help us understand, like, what does that look like? And, and what should charismatic Christians be looking out for when it comes to Wicca, witchcraft, neo-paganism? Mm-hmm. Um, I would say this. Um, there is this confusion right now on, like, what prophets do. And part of it is, if you look at Scripture, prophets always called people to exclusivity mm. with God. And so if you go, I'm a prophetic person and I'm doing all this spiritual exploration and I'm trying out this energy channeling, I'm going, you are taking baby steps toward Asherah and Baal. And you may not put the deities in here because that would not make you feel comfortable, Mm -hmm. but you're doing the practices and scripture forbids the practices. Mm -hmm. right? And so what we need to do is... reframe revival not as spiritual exploration but as repentance radical repentance that is what marked every revival in history Mm. and it will mark the next one Mm. um there's god always does a new thing in revival and he always does old things and once calls the church back to repentance uh promote jesus gets us back in the word right and so um, and the new thing he does is not teach new truths. And it's he's not teaching uh, paganism and how to pick it up. Um, when people hear new truths, I want to be clear. So th- he's not teaching new doctrines. He may teach you, well, this is a truth. You need to go to Mexico right now, whatever, on the short-term mission trip. And you say, well, that's an objective truth. The Holy Spirit said it. Um, but what he's not teaching is a new understanding of like his nature. He he may give you a refresher, like the father's love was a part of the Toronto revival, but it's been in scripture for 2000 years. Right. Right. Um, So it, yes, refresh, not giving you new doctrines, not new doctrines at, at all. And what has happened in my opinion, in the charismatic movement, especially the hyper-charismatic movement at times, is people go, we want the five-fold ministry and we want the prophetic. And we go, prophetic is hearing from God spontaneously. Um, and the teacher is kind of the person who teaches the scripture in its historical grammatical method. And the prophets go, we don't want that. Hmm. We don't want you to tell us sometimes I'm outside of bounds because God, God might do a new thing. And so it creates this toxic space where it, it, there's a door wide open mm. in people's minds who yeah. go, I, 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 the sufficiency of Scripture is not enough for me to have uh, the right relationship to the Holy Spirit. I have to be open to everything. And the Holy Spirit has spoken. Amen. Clearly. Amen. That is his voice. He's pointing out a Bible. It's out of frame. Nobody uh, can see it. Sorry. Right. <laughs> right. You know, he's touching a Bible right here. Yeah. Recently, we did an episode on uh, one-liners that cessationists use. Yeah. And uh, somewhere in there, we got off. I think someone had sent in a question about Hebrews 1, 1 to 2, where it's like, hey, historically, God spoke to us through prophets, but now yeah. God has spoken to us through his son. And they're, the point they were trying to make is like, prophecy is over. But but our response was, this is actually just, that. that's not the point at all the author of Hebrews is mm-hmm. making. Uh, first of all. Second of all, the point he is making is you don't progress past Jesus. Mm-hmm. That whatever progressive revelation existed from Adam to Noah to Moses and so on, it reached its pinnacle in Jesus. And so we don't, we don't need new truths and new revelations of doctrinal... Amen 
realities about the nature of God, right? Which when we practice prophecy, it's not that. It's none of that. It's not like a new truth, uh, capital T truth. So anyway, love what you're saying there. Can I read this before we wrap up? So this is a passage in Micah 3 that I think is really important. It's exactly what you're saying, that um, our job in this space is to call people to repentance and faithfulness. Micah is engaging with a bunch of false prophets, and he's there prophesying peace and peace. But you could say the same if they're prophesying after other gods or going after other gods. Um, Micah's point when he says, Hey, these were they're, they're all doing. It says, therefore, it shall be night to you. This is verse uh, six of Micah three. Therefore, it shall be night to you without vision and darkness to you without divination. The sun shall go down on the prophets and the day shall be black over them. The seers shall be disgraced and the diviners put to shame. Uh, they shall all cover their lips for there is no answer from God. But as for me, I am filled with the power with the spirit of the Lord and justice and might to declare Jacob his transgression and Israel his sin. So mm. he, is, he is saying the reason you don't prophesy by the work of the spirit is you're not calling people to repentance. Mm-hmm. And he's like, the reason I have the spirit of prophecy on my life is I'm calling people back to repentance. And I think that if anyone is out there going, hey, I want to flow in this gift, you got to get Jesus right. You've got to get faith and repentance right, or else you're going to you're going to spiral out yeah. into writing a big book, getting it's, big famous because you got a new covenant, practice. It's covenant exclusivity. That's right. Yahweh wants exclusivity. Hey, hope you enjoyed that episode of The Remnant Radio. If you want to support the channel, there are links in the description to do so, both on PayPal or Patreon. But if you really loved this video and you want to be notified when we come out with other videos on spooky evangelism, make sure to subscribe. If you would like to watch other videos on spooky evangelism, we'll drop the playlist right here. want to thank Kairos Classrooms for sponsoring this episode of Remnant Radio. And if you're out there, you've ever wondered, hey, I wonder if learning a biblical language would be a supplemental tool for me to help me in my biblical studies. Well, you need to check out Kairos Classrooms. They offer Greek and Hebrew classes that can help teach you and train you. It's a live classroom environment with actual students and actual live teachers, and they help teach you the biblical languages of Greek and Hebrew. You need to check out Kairos Classrooms today. There's a link in the description, and you can use the promo code REMNANT to get 10% off. These classes are already crazy affordable, but with the promo code REMNANT, R-E-M-N-A-N-T, you'll get 10% off of Kairos Classrooms. So check that out today. And thank you so much for Kairos for sponsoring this episode of REMNANT Radio.